And MLM Rebel is a new breed of network marketer, smarter, truly independent, and free. MLM Rebels wage war against the soul-sucking corporate world and against networkers who would rather preserve doctrine than helping people get results. MLM Rebels recognize when the world changes and changes with it. MLM Rebels don't believe in duplicating things that no longer work and would rather work without a safety net than within the confines of one. MLM Rebels are only involved in opportunities that give everyone an equal playing field instead of a top-heavy one. We don't care about the sacred cows of MLM, we don't care about the industry, and we do not care about the way it's always been done. We care about people following their gut. We care about people being able to quit their jobs now. We care about people being with their family instead of their boss every day. We care about people being with their family instead of their team all day. We care about people living free. We believe a truly free networker has multiple streams of income. We believe a truly free networker's creativity isn't shackled by their company's contract. We believe a truly free network marketer actually knows how to market and that they run their business like a real business. MLM Rebels prioritize faith, family, business, sacrifice sacred cows, build their own empires, never rebel against each other, and change the world. MLM Rebels know they are not confined by doctrine, not stifled by the past, and know they are one business away. My name is Zach Spear, and welcome to MLM Rebels. Hey, what's going on, guys? Zach here. Hopefully, you're having an incredible day. I'm really pumped to spend some time with you guys and talk to you about some things that I'm pretty excited about um, in regards to actually creating the culture on your team and and things along those lines. Um, things will be pretty impactful for you. So Ashley and I are we are still in California. We are thinking right now like what's next as far as where we go next. We are thinking about leaving in literally a matter of days, and we are debating between South America, Puerto Rico. Or Europe, um, like Italy and Greece and stuff. We have a trip planned for Iceland in July, so that's the only thing on the list right now. I just bought conference tickets to a buddy's conference in June. <laughs> so no matter where we go, we're probably going to make a circle. Well, we might make a circle back, hit up that conference in San Diego in June, and then fly back out. So we're kind of gonna gonna see how it goes. I don't know, but I'm like recently all excited about Puerto Rico because of the tax benefits. If you aren't aware of like the Puerto Rican tax benefits, you should totally. Check them out. It's super interesting because Puerto Rico is technically a part of the U.S. Commonwealth, um, but it's not a state. Uh, they can make their own federal, well, their own version of their federal laws, yet still have constitutional protection of the U.S. Uh, meaning that if you're making, you know, if you're making a lot of money, um, you can you can get like really monster tax breaks. Um, I mean, because literally, if you just think about how much taxes you're paying right now, like if you're full time in business, I mean, if you're not full time in business, by the way, you're paying a ton, so it's gonna be more than that. I'm about to tell you. <laughs> but um, if you think about just what, just think about business, right? If you're in business for yourself, all right, you're we're we're getting taxed on our income, right? So we have income taxes. We all know that. And then we have out taxes, which is called sales tax. Um, then you have property taxes, and then you have inflation. And those are easily discernible, easily findable taxes. That's not including all the taxes that um, you know we're not totally like thinking about, like you know the sticker for your car, or the parking sticker, or you pay parking meters, or you pay tolls. Right? These are all these are all taxes, things that um, we've technically already paid for, yet we're still paying for them. So just the easily discernible taxes. I mean, let's just say you're only paying. Let's say you're paying, you know, whatever, it's called 35% income tax. So, you know, kind of like a, um, you know, around the six figure uh, mark or a little bit higher than that. 35%. Um, 
income tax, awesome. Uh, then let's say you're, you know, if you're in Chicago, California, or any sort of like city, like city-based state, that's 10% most likely on all your sales tax. So now you're paying 45% right off the bat. Then you have property taxes, right? Um, I don't even know what the number is, but I know it's, you know, it's pretty substantial. So call it an additional few percentage points, call it three to five percent of your income and property taxes. Then you have inflation, which is 3%, which by the way, if you don't know what inflation is caused by, it's caused by stupid banking systems that were developed in the early 1900s. And um, it basically siphons money. Uh, The reason inflation happens is because there's money being siphoned um, out of your future earning power by the printing of current currency. I know it's kind of uh, esoteric if you're not familiar with it, but essentially inflation shouldn't actually be happening. It's, um, It's because of our central banking system, which was actually not supposed to be a part of the constitutional um, United States. Yay, history lesson for you. So bottom line is no matter where you're at in your income, you're probably paying somewhere between 40 and 60% in taxes. Well, Puerto Rico um, has some insane laws. Basically, you could probably get away with paying no more than a grand total of like 25% of the first 250K or maybe 27% of the first 250K that you earn, and 4% of 250 plus. So that means like 251000 up through $5 million, you could literally have the potential of paying only 4% income tax on that, um, which is insanity. So fun fact for the day, that's why we're thinking about visiting Puerto Rico, see if we like it. Um, I've been there once uh, for like a, like a qualified trip thing. Um, it was cool, um, but it was like, you know, it was only four or five days and it was like this trip thing with our old network marketing company. And so it was fun, but, it, you know, I didn't really get to see a whole lot of the culture or anything. We were just kind of at the hotel, then we were doing like, you know, surfing and then we were doing this, and then we were doing that and then we we're going out to eat and then we're back home. So, um, so we're thinking about that. But anyway, um, I want to jump into the two types of ways that people build their team and why you need to do neither of them. Um, and be, and be a born balance. Now, thankfully, I think most people kind of will err. Well, you'll naturally go to this place of balance, but in the beginning, you probably won't. Uh, I know because I definitely didn't. And most people I see don't, um, even really big earners don't. So the one side is you have a team and there's really no process that people follow, like a good process, right? And this is where, this is the first side of the coin, where it's lack of focus. You get people in your team and it's kind of like a free-for-all, like, hey, do this um, and this will give you results, right? And, or, or excuse me, uh, that's, that's the other side. The, the really focused side, really unfocused side is like, hey, you're in, um, hey, why don't you try like doing these things and talk to these people, talk to your, you know, talk to your friends, talk to your family, go to the cold market, just kind of figure it out. And that's how a lot of people build their business, believe it or not. Their upline doesn't really teach them what to do because one of two reasons, either one, their upline doesn't really know what to do because they don't really have results or two, their upline um, is so far beyond them that they just honestly don't have that much financial interest anymore. Like they built their business a long time ago and they're like not really helping anymore because they don't really need to. And you know, is that right or wrong? That's not the point of this, but um, you know, they're not getting help there. So that's one side of the coin, very unfocused building. There's really no one, there's no one process that the team follows. 
The other side of the coin is extreme focus. You have a process and hopefully that process works. You know, you shouldn't be teaching people a process if it's not working. Um, but you have a process and assuming that the process works, you're teaching everyone this process. And if someone gets started, you know exactly what to do with them. They do A, B, C, D and Point number D is when the new person gets in, they start at point number A. So A, B, C, D, repeat. 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 That's a focus process, and that's really good. That's where you want to be. You want to have a process that's duplicatable, that you can you know, make it go boom, 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 boom. And then when someone runs out of their, that runs out of their warm list, you can dump them into your next process, which is like E, F, you know what I'm saying? Like E, F, G. And... Is that A, B, C, D, E, F, G? Okay, cool. Um, which is like E, F, G, right? And that's your cold market process. So once you run out of warm market, bang, okay, jump into this. This is your cold market process. So it just never stops. It's very highly focused. That's good. That's going to give you a lot of growth. That's going to give you duplicatability. That'll give you people's, um, a lot of results on your team. But here's the thing. Most people are on one side of the coin or the other. They're in hyper-focus or hyper-unfocus. And if you're going to pick one, I would go hyper-focus because you're going to probably get a lot of people results and you're going to get results yourself. So go back a few episodes if you don't have a process and listen to the episode called How to Create a Duplicatable Process. And then you can use that to create hyper-focus on your team and create results. Now, once you get to a certain point where you're running your process for a while, what you want to be careful of is creating this kind of cult-like thinking. Um, and there's parts of cult-like thinking that are actually valuable um, to any organization, right? And, not, not, and, and obviously not the negative ones, but the ones that are like helping create a movement. But what you want to be careful of, um, and I experienced this myself, and I was a perpetuator of this myself um, at one point in time, which is if people think... Like basically, here's where it comes from. If if every single time something bad happens in your business, if it's blamed on you not working the process properly, and every single time something good happens in your business, it is credit is given to the system. That is the beginning of the closed-mindedness, the closed-minded kind of almost cultish thinking, all right? So think about what I just said there. Rewind it if you need to. The point is, what you want to be careful of is getting people so indoctrinated into only the process that they literally don't think for themselves, that every single time they're not getting results, it's the answer is always just work harder, that's not a good answer after a certain period of time. Now, let me kind of make a little shoot off for a second here. I would say that 95% of your downline or more, and potentially you, depending on where you're at in business, but the vast majority of people, the reason they're not getting results is an activity problem. It's not a process problem. Now, are there processes out there that don't work? Of course. Are there processes out there that are old and crappy? Yep. But most of the time, if you have a process that is semi-okay and you have a company that doesn't have a terrible reputation, if you do any process, even if it sucks for enough time, you'll get some you'll get some sort of results. So the majority of people, more majority of time that you're not getting results is because you're not working hard enough. 
Now, I know there's a, there's a small handful of people that are working hard. They've been doing it for a long time, and they're still not getting the results. Now, that is rare. I doubt the majority of your team fits into that category, and I don't know if you do, but you have to make that determination. A good litmus test is if you have been consistently applying your process for over a year, and you still don't have the results. And I'm not saying results as a six-figure income or seven-figure income. I'm just saying consistent sponsoring, consistent sales. That's what I mean. So if you've been doing your process for over a year with consistency, with the with with the level of coaching that you've been receiving. So if someone's telling you to do five presentations a week and you've done one a week, or maybe you one week you did five, but every other week you've maybe done two or zero, that's not consistent. So if you've worked for a year hitting five a week and you still haven't got results, you're still not yet sponsoring consistently or selling consistently, now you might want to question the process. That's the point where you don't want to be closed-minded. So you want to be super, super focused, but you you want or excuse me, you want to help your team become super focused, but you also want to empower them to think outside the box. Um, because, I mean, some of the some of the greatest pieces of MLM Rebels, as far as the systems go, are from our downline giving us feedback or thinking of ideas themselves. Um, so don't just think because they're in your downline they can't give you good advice. Now, also. Realize this, if you're a downline, if your upline has really good results, there's, there's a reason that they have them. Now, if they didn't, haven't built the business in 10, 20 years, that's one thing. You know, you might, they might you know, be trying to do something that doesn't work anymore. But overall, they, they've still probably got some really good stuff in their head, right? But what you don't want to do is come into the business, give it some action for a while, not get results. You, you, give it, you gave it kind of a half effort for six months. You didn't get results really. Sponsored like five people. And now you want to kind of revamp the wheel. Uh, I don't know if you should be doing that. I think you should focus on the process that is currently working for someone and then go make tweaks to it later once you have enough data under your belt. The point is, as you're building your team, the first thing you have to do is develop a duplicatable process. Go back to the episode to learn about that. Develop a duplicatable process. Then deploy it in your team. Then train your team to duplicate that process, right? Get them hyper-focused on it. But as they're hyper-focused on it, continue to let them know that you value their individuality and you are open to having conversations about how you can improve, what you don't want is a bunch of people doing their own thing without any reason for changing anything. Okay, that's when you have lack of unity. That's when you have people doing 50 different things and no one really getting results. I see this all the time all over, um, not necessarily our downline, although it does happen even in our downline, but um, definitely all over like other people's teams. You know, one of the benefits of having, um, you know, having kind of this like, brand, if you will. I mean, it sounds sort of silly. Um, it sounds like egotistical, but uh, one of the benefits of like being in a position where we can we get the opportunity to help people in other companies um, is to see what's going on in other companies and other lines of sponsorship. And it happens like all the time. I mean, I I know of a couple of people that have a, like a duplicatable process, and but most people, like they really don't. And um, it kind of uh, kind of stinks. So the first thing you do is build that process out or identify that process. Then you know work with your team to implement it, 
and um, and then of course, like I said, let them know that you are uh, open to hearing how things can be improved. The last thing that you need to make sure that you do, that you uh, have is a cold market process, which is what we talk about um, in the blueprint. It's what we talk about in the private group, um, things like that. So, if you don't have a cold market process. Okay, the first thing you need to do, if I've said it 50 times, go back and listen to the how to build a duplicatable process right now if you haven't done that. That'll walk you through building an initial process for your warm market or if you're out of your warm market for your downlines warm market and to do it in a cool way that's not like obtrusive. So do that first. Then you need to figure out your cold market process. And you can reverse these. You can do the cold market process first. It doesn't really matter, but you need them both so that when your t- people get in your team, they know what to do. Now, clearly the cold market process is significantly harder to build. That's why we devote, you know, basically all of our energy outside of our own team to MLM Rebels, which is helping, you know, people outside of our team, like yourself, build cold market processes. So you can learn more about that at MLMRebelsBlueprint.com. Well, anyway, it was amazing spending time with all of you today and um, appreciate you listening. And we'll talk to you all soon and see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.